This is Mental Work, the podcast unpacking the challenges faced by early career psychologists. And I'm your host, Dr. Bronwyn Milkins. Hello, mental workers, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about nothing sessions. Might not make too much sense right now, but we'll explain it as we go along. We're going to give you some insights into what they are, what you can do about it, and why it's normal. Here to talk about it with me today is Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Bron. So, Kate, tell us who you are. I'm Kate, and I'm a child and adolescent psychologist in private practice. Excellent. Thank you, Kate. And listeners, you might remember Kate from previous episode on therapist perfectionism. How's your perfectionism going these days, Kate? It's still there, but yeah, it's in check, I think. Nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if, you're, if you've got that perfectionistic characteristic or personality, it's like just kind of hangs around. Just, hey, it's me, perfectionism. That's it. You just got to hone it. Hone yeah. It yeah. Channel. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Channel it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get stuck into today. Kate and I have agreed to do a role play, which I know will freak many of you out, but we're doing it just to demonstrate what on earth we're talking about. Okay. So I'm going to be the therapist. Kate is going to be the client. How old are you, Kate? Uh, as a client. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, oh, can I be 16? Yeah, That's you can be tricky. 16. Yeah, please. Great. <laughs> okay. And I'm just a uh, plain Jane therapist. Okay. So I'm walking into the session, we're in the session and I'm like, hey, Kate, what would you like to focus on today? Oh, I don't know. Nothing really. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, okay. No worries. We'll, we'll work it out. Um, and how you been? Yeah. Yeah. I've been good actually. I've been all right. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you know, any highlights, lowlights? Mm, no, not really. Yeah. Cool. So uh, I had an idea today, you know, last time how we were talking about self-esteem and, you know, kind of taming that critic voice. I, I was thinking of extending on that today. What do you think? I don't really want to do that today. Oh, cool. Okay. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, no. <laughs> how is that for you? Oh, it's great for me. I like being on this side. Yeah. Pressure's <laughs> okay. on you. Yeah. And for me, I'm like thinking, shit, what can I do here? Like there's a few more <laughs> questions I would have asked around that. Um, I probably would have gone to, wow, like we're just sitting here then, aren't we? I guess, I guess that's what we're going to do today. Cool. Hey. Acknowledge the awkwardness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're talking about these these sorts of sessions where it's like, the client isn't interested in your ideas. They don't even look like they actually want to be with you today mm. in therapy. And you've got an idea and maybe they go along with it for five minutes and then you look at the clock and you're like, okay, I still got 45 minutes to go. Cool. We're going to talk about what to do in those situations. So Kate, have you experienced yeah. this with your with with clients? Well, I did experience this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a thing that happens. It definitely happens. And working with teenagers, you get it quite a lot, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it it happens. It's I think it's normal. It's just what do you do with that time? It's like someone stopped the clock. 
Definitely. So it happens quite commonly with teenagers, kids. I imagine it happens pretty frequently, I guess, with people who are mandated to come to therapy as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And for me, I see adults in private practice and it doesn't happen that often, but when it does happen, I'm pretty stumped. And I think it doesn't happen that often because, you know, they're coming here to pay for a service that they don't have to be here for. But even then yeah. I still, uh, maybe it does happen more often than I think. I think I work quite hard to make sure it doesn't happen. I think it would happen more often if I didn't do the things that we're going to talk about in this episode. Yeah, true. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing I want to hear from you, Kate, is I want to know what it's like for you on the other foot when you're the therapist and you're in this, this situation. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel a lot of pressure to fill space. Usually I don't, but when it they don't want to do anything, they don't want to talk about anything, they're giving nothing, like what did you do? What are you doing for the holidays? How was the weekend? And you can get nothing at all <laughs> that you can grab onto. I I I know my heart rate goes up because my watch will tell me to breathe. So it's definitely much stress. <laughs> <Yeah. me out. laughs> and if I've planned as well, I usually plan a couple of things. And if it doesn't stick, then you kind of go into this like so many thoughts, panic mode. What do we do now? Like, how am I going to fill this space? Yes, exactly. So the thoughts are, how am I going to fill this space? Uh, you go into panic mode. I do the same thing. I pretty much just panic and I'm like, I try and grasp at straws and try everything I can. So I throw everything at them and (laughs) probably overwhelm them. This is what I think. Is it like, yeah, too much? Yeah. Much like throwing, throwing, you think, Yeah. And then they just, you know what happens? It's probably that I over, I get panicky. I overwhelm them. And then there's like, yeah, I'm just going to keep on giving her nothing. Like, and then they pull away further. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. Okay. So <laughs> so we've got this panic and we're like, crap, crap, crap. What do we do? Can you tell us a few things that you do? Like we've got a good list here. Kate and I worked out a good list of things that you can do in this situation, listener. What's your favorite thing to do in that situation? I think I always feel the first 10 minutes is how was the week or two weeks before? Yes. And then kind of recap what we've done previously and then see if we can go anywhere. And then if it's just not and we've done small talk and there's nothing there, <laughs> I'll always go to games. So we might play Uno, we might do Connect Four, we might. Yesterday I was playing games on someone's phone with them. <laughs> but then in that process something normally comes up, I find. So that's probably my number one go-to. And you find that that works? Yeah, I think most times it does. Because I will have a lot of games and I'll go, you need to choose. And I can sit what feels like forever, but it's probably only a minute. In silence until they've picked a game at least to play. Oh. And, and through that, we kind of talk about nothing. Yeah. Movies, TV shows, music. <laughs> okay. So you get them actively involved. It's like this is your session. So you pick the game and you might be sitting there yes. for a minute, but it's like, nope, this is how it is. You're picking the game. Yeah. Mm. Or you're going to come up with a conversation yeah. or, a, you know, something what are we going to do? And I will say like, well, what are we going to do for the next 45, 50 minutes? Yeah. Okay. So you'll ask them as well, what are we going to do? And do you ever get to the stage where you are like, you know, we got to feel this time. Like you kind of like leveling that with them and be like, look, we've got these 50 minutes. Um, we've got to do something. Do you ever say that? Or do you find that that doesn't quite work well? I find if they're there, not, they don't want to, not that they maybe don't want to be there, but it's more of a mum, dad, 
school push yep. and they're reluctant, that's where I'll go, okay, we have to be here for 50 minutes. This is what they mum, dad said. I'm fine if you don't want to work on it or talk about any of that. What are we going to do to fill this time till we get back out? Yeah. So I sometimes if it's real struggle, I'll be a bit more direct. Okay. And go, well, what are we going to do? We can do whatever. I don't care what it is. Let's just fill it. <laughs> yeah. And do you ever have this talk with them? Because, I mean, just to make it clear, it's like our clients aren't chained to the chair. Like they can say whether they want to be here or not. Even adolescents, they can be like, I don't want to be in this room. Like, do you ever have a talk with them about like, do they want to be in therapy? Yes. Okay. What does that look like? So I'll always get, I I try and always have the child adolescent in there and the parent and get the parent to say why they think that they're there or why why they want the kid there and then what the goals are. And then I'll say, okay, nice they can leave and then I sit with the kid and just say okay you've heard what mum said what do you think do you agree disagree is there something completely different you want to work on do you actually want to be here are you here because of them or did you want to come and then that normally opens a little bit of a conversation because it almost lets them off the hook like they don't have to sit there and pretend or give you you know evil evil looks like you're the horrible person and I always say I don't work for them I don't work, I just work with you. I don't work with them. I don't work for anyone else. It's just you and me. Whatever happens in here is what happens in here. So then it, in the hope that they will kind of take ownership a bit more and go, okay, good, I can do whatever I want and talk about whatever I want to talk about. And then eventually we hopefully come to what we need to come to. Sometimes maybe young people enter therapy thinking, or oh, you know, mum and dad are forced me into this. And they might not realise that this is a space just for them where they are free to talk about and work on whatever they choose and what's important to them. So really, I guess, highlighting that for them seems important. Yeah, because I think mostly with teenagers, I've got quite a few now that we're reflecting (laughs) on it that I really don't think want to be there. (laughs) And it's putting that, like they're looking for independence and autonomy. Yeah. But then they've been dragged here. So it's going, okay, that bit sucks. I get it. But then what do you want it to be? And then no one's actually going to know what it is. If you come in here and complain about mum and dad, that's okay. They're not going to find out. I'm not going to go tell them. You can do that. And then I think the game stuff, I use it at any point to just kind of keep building that relationship and the rapport. And, you know, we're just two equal people hanging out. Tell me what you need to say. Don't tell me what you're not ready for. I love that. I think that that really encapsulates a few points we had written down here. So it's like, Okay, if they're giving you nothing, you can play games and hope that brings up something. You can also go back to the conversation of what do they want to get out of therapy or even do they want to be here? Remind them of what therapy is for, like it's here to work with you. It's not to talk about things that aren't important to you. Yeah, yeah. See what that brings up. And it's even like I always ask them, have you seen anyone else before, a school counsellor, psychologist, counsellor, whoever? And then I ask what was good and what wasn't so great. And then we can at least unpack that to go, okay, I don't know how everyone else works. Maybe I'm a bit different. This is how I work. And it's pretty much whatever. So then they hopefully can go, okay, I can make it whatever. I don't have any expectation of what this is because they will come in going, oh, you're going to make me talk about things I don't want to. Yeah. But it's not. It doesn't have to. It can be fun. We can have fun. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that's really important to set that expectation because, yeah, they might be coming in from having previous therapy being like this is what it's going to be. 
And that might explain why they're giving you nothing. Yeah. And it's just good to kind of go, okay, what, like, where are they at in this journey? Like, is it, was it a bad experience? And now I'm just the representation of that bad experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do that with adults as well. I ask them if they've had Mm. any previous counseling psychology experience and what they found really helpful and what they didn't find so helpful. And I usually frame it to them. I'll say something like, yeah, it's really important to know what you found unhelpful so that we can do something different in here. Um, So I really frame it as that's what I want to know. And I'm like, oh, yes, absolutely. We can do that different. I'll make sure to follow up on your homework with you. Okay, let's talk about the situation where this is happening persistently. So let's say it's happened three sessions in a row and it's a nothing session. They're coming with nothing. None of your ideas land and they're like, I got nothing. I don't want to do nothing. You play games, but still really generates nothing. And you leave the session being like, that was a nothing session. Again. Again. (laughs) Yeah. What do we do then? That's when I usually go back to the intake questionnaire of going, okay, what was the goals? What were we aiming for? And then looking, is there, has there been any engagement at all or is it pretty consistent that it's not happening? That's when I think you need the maybe tricky conversation of is it time to put a pause on it for now and come back later? Yeah, no, um, I do something similar. So I grab out the goals. Yeah, I look at the intake mm-hmm. form. I look at the goals we set in the first session. and then. Sometimes it depends on the client, but sometimes I'll go through them goal by goal and I'll be like, let's just review today, like how we're progressing along. Um, yeah. And I'll be like, goal number one, reduce anxiety. How do you think we've gone with that? We've done a few sessions on that with that. We've done this, this, and this. Um, how are you feeling now with anxiety? Oh yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. And then the next one is like, feel more satisfied with my relationships. And they'll be like, oh yeah, good, good, good. And then the third one might be, address family trauma. And I'll be like, you know, we haven't actually touched on that in sessions. Is that still Mm -hmm. something of interest to you? Oh, you know, maybe not for now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Just having a conversation with myself over here. (laughs) I'm enjoying it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I'll go through the goals systematically and that can sometimes highlight Mm. an area that we haven't actually worked on. And sometimes I've genuinely forgotten that that was a goal as well. That has happened more than once. And I've been like, oh, crap, (laughs) we haven't looked at that. (laughs) Um, We should probably get to that, hey? And then I'd be like, no, 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 that was all good. And I'm like, okay. Um, So it's a great way to like reassess goals, but also be like, do we need to add another goal here? Um, Or do you feel like therapy, so coming back to your point, do you feel like therapy is kind of coming to a close? And I sometimes think people just come not out of habit, but like they kind of get into it and they, they, they like it and and then they don't want to, I always say like, you don't have to break up with me. Yeah. You just tell the receptionist or don't make any more appointments if that's better for you. Yeah. Like I, I won't get offended and whenever you want to come back, you can come back. And it's, I think sometimes for some people that have been coming for a bit, it's like, oh, how do I stop this now? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yes. Or they're enjoying it, but you probably can go out on your own. Yeah. And it's having that conversation of, I think we've reached the end for now or forever. But then I think it's different between that and is it the first few sessions that are just like, oh, come on, you're getting nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So closing therapy is different to when you're in the first few sessions and getting that initial engagement. So this would be like a period where the client has engaged and then engagement has dropped off. And then we're thinking of having this conversation, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is like a nice, positive, perfect 
kind of wrap up, right? Yeah, <laughs> so I guess, one of going. <laughs> yeah, like the therapist could be helpful here. It's like if the client is giving you nothing, maybe they are unsure about how to stop therapy. So this can be a really great opportunity for the therapist to be like, you know, therapy does have a start, middle and ending. And sometimes people do find these endings really difficult. Um, we've done some good work together, but I think, you know, you can do really well on your own. You've, you've demonstrated that in several activities, list activities, A, B, C, D. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I always say to parents and kids that we'll probably do fortnightly. Then eventually you might go to every three yeah. kind of, it just tapers off, yeah. which seems to be a nice end. It does. People. Yes. Yeah. And that can be really good to tell them as well. So I'll say that to clients. I'll be like, yeah, usually people, when they're at this point, they'll start seeing me monthly or even every six weeks. And sometimes I'll book for three months ahead and they decide, you know what, that's actually enough. Yeah. Nice when it does that. It is. Nice. <laughs> it is nice process yeah it's uh that's a very tidy ending yes yeah <laughs> yeah okay something else I wanted to talk about this idea that if you ask clients what are you getting out of therapy and they're like oh I just like coming here for the games or I just like coming here for the chats mm-hmm. I'm curious what you would think about that if you had a client who was just like I'm just here for the games yep I do get these moments of they're usually on a Friday. Maybe it's something to do with how tired I'm at. <laughs> Where I'll go, oh, what am I actually doing with this person? Like, I don't think I'm being a counsellor anymore. Like, I'm being, I'm just hanging or being a, I don't know, a very expensive babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> Where, yeah, I need to look at and go, I, there's only so many sessions that you can play games. Like, that's, if it's not building anything or adding to the relationship, I think that's when you've got to push it a little bit harder the next session to go, right, we really need to start working or do we just hold for now? Mm. And then maybe you come back later. And I always say to them, you need to click with someone. Mm. So if I'm not the person, that's okay. I'm not going to be upset. Just let me know and I can give you names of someone else and tell them, you know, go away and have a think about it. So if it does, like if something's just not moving on, I will have that conversation. And it might be overplaying, you know, of saying, you know, it, maybe it's us, we're just not clicking, maybe I'm not the right fit for you, that's okay, or maybe you're not ready or you don't want to be here, or is it time that I have a chat with mum and dad and say, look, you want so-and-so here but they don't want to be here and mm. I can have that conversation for you to let you off the hook a bit. Yeah, definitely. And I always follow up those kinds of questions with what's it like hearing that or how does that land for you because yeah. sometimes asking those questions to clients I've noticed that they can freak out a little sometimes I'll even Mm. say to clients I usually say this to clients when I check in like is it time that therapy comes to a close and then they stare at me wide-eyed with fear because they don't want that to happen and I'm like don't freak out I check in with everyone it's just a mandatory thing that I ask for everyone yeah I think you do need to check in with that stuff yeah and it is like regardless of what because I always say you know we're equal we're on the same page I'm not you know or maybe I'm your boss, you're my boss. I don't know. Yeah. But it, know. it's that thing going, you've still, you've still got that power imbalance. You do. So absolutely. You're the one saying, oh, maybe, maybe we can adhere. I'm always really mindful of, does that come across like I'm going, oh, can't, you can't do therapy. So you need to leave. Yes. Like, how do you get that across without going, oh, it's not, it's not a problem. It's normal. It's just, 
maybe this isn't the right time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it's a really sensitive topic and that's why I do ask how that yeah. lands to them, particularly like yeah. I work with a lot of neurodivergent folk and uh, neurodivergence yes. sometimes comes along with this heightened rejection sensitivity. And so I've literally had clients who have said that too and it's activated their rejection sensitivity and then we talk through that. Um, so it's it's a conversation. It's really difficult because, yeah, clients do build an attachment to us in yeah. therapy. Yeah, but I also think whenever I have those hard conversations, I always think this is the therapy though. Totally. Like, this is still therapy. This is probably very therapeutic. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my gosh, those kinds of conversations are like sometimes the most therapeutic conversations that yeah. a client has ever had. Yeah, that's it. And then coming up with, yeah, how does it land? How are you feeling about that? What are you thinking? Yeah. What are you going to do next? <laughs> yeah, and we can, because it really models to the client, look, we can have these sometimes awkward and uncomfortable conversations and you're not going to get mm. yelled at or invalidated or dismissed and your concerns are going to be taken seriously. And yeah. that can be really healing. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I had one yes, no, today. I got an email from a client I haven't seen for over a year and she just sort of disappeared. I said, oh, naturally I went, oh, okay, maybe I'm not for her. Or Yeah. And then she emailed to go, oh, yeah, I think I want to come back. And I'm like, okay, so you never really know what's happening and she knows she can come back. So however it ended, having that option to come back at some point I think is the, the teachable moment there for clients to go, it's okay to say not right now or, and then come back. Like we're not going to go, oh, no, no, you broke up with me back then. Go find someone else. Yes, yeah. And I've had this, I've had a, a chat with clients. One thing I picked up with clients, um, they told me, and I didn't realise this was a thing until I got the feedback from my clients, but they told me that they uh, felt bad about coming back because they were worried it would make me feel that I was a bad oh. therapist and had failed them. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> maybe but I'll deal with that myself <laughs> yeah I didn't even thought that I'm like oh my gosh like you are thinking quite a lot about this and, yeah. and thank you for considering my feelings but no I'm not thinking that I'm not thinking I'm bad I just think that people have ups and downs in their lives and they need support mm. at different times Oh, bless them. I know, bless them, totally. Yeah, Um. so there's all sorts of thoughts that go on in our client's head. So, yeah, telling them that, like, you know, I'll be here. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, I'll be on this couch. I don't I don't actually leave this couch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm here whenever. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting. Yeah. I'm just like a robot who gets activated every morning at 9 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. No, really important. So, and I, I guess I just want to highlight to listeners that those kinds of conversations can be scary as an early career psych. Like I've come mm. to learn how to do them through supervision and like role-playing them in supervision and being like, what do you think of yeah. saying it this way? And like, I've been talked out of like, you know, some ways that I realized that I was doing it quite unhelpfully. Like I used to be, I used to be like, oh, I'll just do it directly and be like, we can cut yeah. off therapy. <laughs> and then get to the point. <laughs> and then my supervisor would be like, you know, you're breaking up with them. And I'd be like, oh, burn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The heartless breaker upper. Exactly. I was a heartless breaker upper. So yeah, I've become more sensitive and attuned to my clients and realized that they actually like develop relationships with us as therapists. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's like you think, but wasn't obvious to me. Yeah, I think it's a thing of the more you do it, it it's a little bit easier to do. Totally. But then we sort of forget, oh, hang on, this is the first time they've maybe had this. Yeah. 
or maybe they had a bad experience last time. Mm. So it's going, well, yeah, I've still got to remember there's a person on the other side that maybe hasn't heard this little spiel before. Exactly. Totally. Um, One other thing that I wanted to bring up was um, sometimes I've done this twice and this was in like situations where I had, where we had a few nothing sessions and then I thought maybe they don't know what a psychologist can do. For people who live with an intellectual disability, I found that this, I thought that this might've been the case. And so I would explain to them what I can do as a psychologist and what people come to me for. And I'd be like, I help people unpack and talk about their feelings. I help people with feelings of depression and anxiety. I help them with their goals and direction in life. And I help them make sense of things that feel really complex. Um, Sometimes I see people who are feeling pretty good, but they're at, they're at a crossroads. They want to make decisions in their lives. So they still need my help. And I'd be like, does those things, does any of that sound like things that you could need help with? And that was kind of my last line of trying to get them engaged and being like, yeah. yeah. Have you ever done that? My gosh, yesterday. <laughs> Just yesterday. Okay, sure. <laughs> yesterday was a big day. Yeah, sounds <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I had a girl who, I mean, she was, she's 10. And it was her first session with her and her mum. And she, you could tell she just did not want to be there yep. at all. Mm. And every time she looked at me, it's like I had two heads. So I was very uncomfortable. And she didn't know why she was there and she didn't get it. And it was doing that conversation of like, this is what I can do. This is what we can do together. Yeah. And making it super simple. And then going, is there anything you can add? Maybe I can do that. Yeah. I think we have a lot of, probably educating around like this is what a psychologist can do. It's not just because I'll always say to the kids, have you ever seen those movies? And I think it's getting a bit outdated now, but <laughs> where someone lies on the couch and someone sits with their clipboard and yeah. you know, they ask you to tell them your deepest, deepest, darkest secrets and, and they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, it's not that. It's never that. I've yeah. never done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of going, so then what else could it be? Like do you like playing games? You and then coming up with this is what it could look like yes. for you. Mm. Do any of those things sound like something you want to give a crack or? But yeah, I think you're right. We need to sometimes plant the seed and then see if something kind of resonates with someone to go, oh, that could be helpful. Yeah, and I guess like it's a key part of building that therapeutic relationship as well. Like when I think back to the definition of what a therapeutic alliance contains, task agreement is one of those. It's like, what are you actually going to do in therapy? What's it going to look like? And so that's something that, you know, we're we're discussing with clients and agreeing on by bringing that up with them. Yeah. And I think it's like, if you can just get a few things, like there'll be bigger, you know, oh, I have anxiety. Don't really want to talk about that. Oh, yeah, I'm fighting with my friend. That's a bit softer. Yes. I'll always say whatever you come in with, if you're like, right, let's unpack the big stuff. Or, oh, yeah, I just had a fight with my friend yesterday. I wanted about that. Well, then that's what we do. We can do whatever you want to do. And I'm very, I can't sit still. So (laughs) I'm very much like if you need to get up and, you know, you want to flick through a book, you want to play with some Play-Doh, you want to lie on the couch and have a nap while I'm talking, do it. You do you in here. Like whatever you want to do. You don't have to just sit there and we just talk. It can be more than that. I wish I could get that across to adults more. Like I feel with kids, it's like they, they pick up on that and you're, you can say that, but yeah, I know just lamenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some days it takes a lot of, a lot of creativity. And yes. It doesn't, 
doesn't land. Yeah, it sounds. And I mean, that's that's that can be frustrating and disappointing as a therapist as well. Like sometimes, like with these nothing sessions, it's like you're hitting them with your best ideas, and you're like, I got this great session planned, and they're just not having a bar of it. And it can be like, oh, I try so hard. Yeah, and I'll go through. I found I've gone through these stages, which I still can't work out when. But I'll like not too much planning or thought behind it. It'll all just nicely come. And then other weekends I'll sit there going, right, I need to figure out what I'm exactly going to do. I need to get the worksheets. I need to get the games and I'll have lists. And and then you go in and you're like, oh, I'm super prepared here. And it's just not, not, not. You think, oh, so much effort I did for nothing. <laughs> yeah, in that case, in my case note, I have got a section in my case notes, which is like plan for next session. And then I'll write, yep see last session plan <laughs> and then yeah. that'll <laughs> that's what I always think it's there for some point in time yeah. it'll save me yeah exactly so you know if you've got a nothing session it's like I go back through my notes and I'm like see session 17 plan okay got it do you want to have that do you want to have a crack at that yeah yeah um so let's let's touch on that actually because this is something that I think we both do so I always have one to two ideas to go to and I base them off what Usually, okay, what I do is I write them down after the session because that's when I've usually wrapped up the session with the client and I'm like, okay, we talked about this today. What do we want to do next time? Do you, would you like to expand on this more next time? And then I'll write that down as an idea. Or sometimes I'll be like, oh, we haven't touched on this. And then I'll write that down. So I always come with one to two ideas. What do you do? Yep. So I will have, yep, I'll either like continue something. So Yep, we've done that. That's good. We're going to go a little bit deeper next time. So I'll slot that idea in or something we haven't touched on. Sometimes it'll be a questionnaire. Like I might need to do a check-in Spence or depression scales or something just to see where we're going, um, which is also a good one to fill in, fill in nothing session. I yes. Because <laughs> they're always there. And then sometimes, yeah, it'll be going back going, okay, what point are we at? Can I bring the the heavy stuff in next session yes. that we've been holding off. So I'll have something to kind of let's introduce the heavy stuff and then I'll have a continuing one. Like I've had one client who she comes every week and I've had this idea sitting there, I think this is like the fourth week, and each time she's like, nope, okay. <laughs> so then that just goes to the next week, goes to the next week. Yeah. So then there's always something there. But, I mean, she's good. She'll bring stuff with her, so. That's good. Yeah. And I'll That's say that good. to clients as well. Like if they're confused about what to bring to therapy, I'll be like things you had difficulty with during the week or things that you were confused about or when you noticed feelings that you didn't quite understand or thoughts that bothered you, they're the kind of stuff to bring into therapy. Yeah. And I always encourage them to, if they keep a journal, write it down or yeah. get your phone out and like something during the week that you're, or you're like, oh yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah. Chuck it in there. And if you, and sometimes like they're a bit shy or I don't know not confident saying it so I'll say just write it on a piece of paper kind of shove it at me when you come in and I'll have a look at it and we'll get around to it in a non-confrontational way yeah yeah so really communicating it's like I want to hear this stuff and it's going to be a good experience when you bring it in and really validating them and being like I'm so glad you brought this in um sometimes I mean if I want to if they're really having a tough time with that I will validate and be like thank you for bringing it in but yeah don't want to go over the top with every client all the time (laughs) 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 this is a gem in my day yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) I think with younger ones as well sometimes what I'll do is the parents will give me a quick 
like rundown of what's happened since last ah. time. And so then I'll go, okay, I'll keep that in mind. And then if they've got nothing, I'll say, oh, mum just or dad just had a chat with me outside and said, you know, this happened this week. Is that something you kind of want to talk about or can we just leave that be? Or And then they might sort of you kind of suss out whether they want to go there or like, no, nah, that's a mum thing. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or just feel another five minutes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Winning. Looking at questionnaire measures. So I do this. I mean, I do it pretty routinely. Do you use NovoPsych? No, but I do have like, I probably only have two or three that I always do. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. But I've just got paper copies or we'll, we'll make a game of it, which makes it go a little longer. So like with the spence, we'll make a little game of it and I'll ask the question and then they put the numbers up. Wow, you're fun. That's so much fun. Yeah. (laughs) I want to do therapy with you. (laughs) I don't know how to go down with a 40-year-old. Yeah. You know. So, okay, so you can gamify it like, Kate, that sounds sounds awesome and fun and (laughs) takes up time. Um, For boring Bronwyn, um, I give them the iPad and then we do the Novo Psych. Clients really like graphs. I find that they love graphs. Yes. so they're very they keen on visual. that. They love yeah. a visual. Yeah. Mm, I um, love a visual. Yeah. And so I'll do that. And look, that serves two purposes. It's like good just to get progress questionnaire measures. But two, mm-hmm. it also like I love looking at the total score, but then in Novo Psych it displays exactly what they looked at. They rated for each item. And so, yep. for example, if you're doing like a K10 and it will be like, um, every day I felt depressed and hopeless. Then you're like, oh, okay, depressed and hopeless. Tell me about that. Or I had difficulty falling and staying asleep. Oh, tell me about that. How's the sleep going lately? So you can really yeah. pick out areas to target and be like, is that something that that we should work on a bit more together? And so yeah. it's, I find it's a great way to set the focus, really narrow down on what they're, what's going on with them. Yep. I do the same thing where if it's a bit of a quiet one and not like have to check when I did it last. If I did it last week, I'm not going to do the same one again. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, looking at it and then going, oh, this one's a little bit higher than last time we yeah. did. What, what happened there? Or if it's gone down, like really going, wow, what are you doing? How did you get that down? Have you thought about it? And then we always come up with, you know, well, you've obviously tried something, what worked, what didn't work, and reflecting on it, which even if you can't get much out of them, it's still takes a good I reckon it takes at least 10 minutes yeah with someone not giving you much <laughs> yeah but it's also it's a great reflection so I'll usually be yeah. like I wonder what happened there like what do you know what you were yeah. doing differently what was that about and they'll be like oh, I don't know but then you're sitting there thinking and it gets them reflecting as well yeah that's it and I, I always think like you can always tell I think when people are not engaged or when they're seemingly not engaged but they're reflecting yes where you can kind of see it ticking over that I think okay maybe later when you leave you'll be like oh yeah something's clicked today even though it was kind of a nothing session yeah yeah oh man we should talk about that okay (laughs) so I reckon we're kind of coming to the end but I reckon that would be a brilliant point to land on which is Mm -hmm. that the therapist may perceive it as a nothing session but the client may not what are your thoughts on this yeah I think you're right and I think Either one, you're never going to know yeah. or it will come back. That's why I'm always, I had a supervisor who said, like, you, <laughs> don't play games. Games are not therapeutic. Don't play games. Oh. And this is when I was early. So I was like, oh, okay, you don't play games. 
really bad for me who plays games all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I sort of thought about it and went, but it is therapeutic in my opinion. And, yeah. you know, the research kind of, it's split. But I've always found with, particularly with kids and teenagers, the game playing, it builds up so much rapport. Yes. That they actually talk about things they don't realise are quite big. So we'll talk about school and then friends and then, oh, I had this argument and it kind of just, it's just a conversation. But because of how, probably how we talk, it's reflective conversation. It's not like, oh, that sucks, moving on. You kind of ask those curious questions that I'll still go, oh, yeah, it wasn't much. But then the next time they come, you can see they're a bit more engaged and they will give you more. So I always kind of think, that's why I think you look at the number. Like if it's constantly nothing, that's probably a bit different. But if it's one or two nothings and then you see something come out of that, I think you've done some good good work in the nothing. Wise words, Kate. Mm, that's probably <laughs> going to be on your quote tile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I agree. Yeah, because um, have you ever had this experience, Kate, where it's like a client comes back to you one or two sessions later after you think there's been nothing session and they'll just say something in passing and they'll be like, you know when you said insert really wise phrase here that you definitely didn't say? And I was thinking about that and, yeah, it really changed changed things for me. And I'll be like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, that that thing that I said, that sounds really good. I absolutely oh, said that. say that again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, that says, that's happened to me like several times and I'm almost certain that I didn't say the thing that they <laughs> think that I said. Yeah. So the way I'm interpreting that is that they take away things from sessions that that like I can't even conceive that they do um, and they reflect on yeah. it and it, it integrates with them and it clicks with them in some way. Yeah, I'm a massive fan of this whole parallel processing thing where I'm like something's going on there mm. and I'll do like lots of metaphors around stuff and then I'll go, oh, have we talked about this before? And then they'll be like, oh, yeah. And then tell me the metaphor back. And I'm like, wow, because I really thought you were asleep when I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's gone in there. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll come back and go, I've made up my own metaphor. Yes. Like, oh, wow, I love this. So they, I think, yeah, I think something goes on and then something will land. Yeah. At least one thing will land. Yes, totally. At least. So maybe our takeaway for listeners is don't freak out too much if there are nothing sessions. Talk with your supervisor about what you can do, how you can approach it. Um, Think about what's going on here for the client and perhaps consider that your perception of the session might differ to their perception. Maybe they're readying themselves to open up about some trauma and that's why it was a nothing session. Or maybe they actually felt like they said something quite scary for them and that took 10 minutes, but they were just regulating themselves for the remaining 40 minutes. Yeah, I think you've named it. And what's your overall takeaway message that you want to leave listener with? I think it's get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> like it's going to be uncomfortable sometimes, but that's okay. That's Even scary. as a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll be all right. Like you'll be okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just like a, I see it as like a reflecting thing. Like if there's too many and you're thinking about it going, oh, I don't know what's happening. It's a good time to reflect on, okay, what have we been doing? Have we hit the marks? Why is it not hitting the mark? Yeah. And then reflect on that going, okay, what's my next move? It just pushes you to reflect on what you're doing. Well, Kate, I reckon we'll wrap up there. Kate, is there any where where listeners can get in touch with you or do you want them to know about anywhere? 
that they can find you? Probably just our website, which is changerooms.com.au, I think. And then I'm on there if if you need to find me. Cool. Always waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Just there. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Kate, for coming on. It's been a pleasure to talk with you about this topic. And I hope listeners can walk away from this feeling more enlightened than before. Me too. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, listeners, for listening and catch you next time. Have a good one. Bye. Just a quick shout out to the amazing listeners who have bought me some virtual coffees lately. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you to Claudia, who brought me five coffees. Amazing. That'll keep me going for the month. Thank you for making this amazing podcast. I love it, says Claudia. I really appreciate you. Reggie also bought a coffee and they say invaluable podcast for early career psychs, helping me thrive during my internship. Thanks, Reggie. And shout out to Emily as well. I know I already thanked you, but you're great. And Emily said, thank you, Bronwyn. Your podcast has helped me so much as an early career psych. So you're aware podcasting ain't cheap. But I love talking about the gnarly, taboo and complex challenges faced by early career psychologists just like you. All donations are very gratefully appreciated and the proceeds go directly back into the show. I do not profit from this. In fact, I actively spend money to make this show great for you. You can buy me a virtual coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash mental work. The link is in the show note for all episodes. Thanks a bunch. Bye.